I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode 24. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. I'm Andrea Owen here, your host, and I have another exciting guest. First, I have to, before I read her her about uh, section, I am going to tell you how I met this woman. So, you know, there I was wasting time on Facebook and in my newsfeed, a Huffington Post article came up and I can't even remember what it was about. It must've been about parenting or something. And I'm reading it and you know how in the bottom of Uh, articles that you read, a lot of times it'll say, if you like this article, you might like this. And one of them, one of the titles was The Ugly Side of Pretty. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. So I clicked on it and it was this really great blog post. And then there was like a HuffPo Live. So I got to see this woman that I'm like falling in love with. And then I was like, I have to know her. I have to know her. So I sent her this like weird email (laughs) saying, you need to be my new best friend, which she actually replied. (laughs) Her name is Jenny Perry, and she is the author of the novel, The Jennifers. She's a feisty married mother of five, happily residing at the Jersey Shore. She loves to blog on social media about her life's journey in a fun and spiritual way. She has a passion for life and a bold voice, which preaches self-love daily. And we like that over here at Your Kick-Ass Life. She loves to give author talks to cheer on her fellow writers and tell everyone to go after their dreams. She's been a feature blogger on sites like the Huffington Post and Elephant Journal. And um, you can I will have all of her links on how to follow Jenny Perry at the very end of this post. But quickly, if you're on Twitter, give her a shout out to she's at, at Jenny G Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. And her website is JennyGPerry.com. So welcome, Jenny. Hi. I'm now starting this week. I'm also blogging on BeliefNet.com also. Nice. Yes. And um, I, first of all, your email, I was like, I instantly love you because it was so my flavor. Because like when I'll do like professional emails, I'm like, I don't like professional. I'm sorry, but I'm just, I have to do me all the time. Yeah. And yours was just so awesome. I'm like, she's delicious. I already love her already. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I've gotten those, I get both. I mostly get the professional ones where people are like telling me all their credentials and, and all that stuff. And, and I'm, you know, that's fine. And I've done that too. But the ones I love are when they just are real, like, Hey, and it would be kind of like if you were in person and you met someone or you yes. saw someone that you knew, you'd be like, oh my gosh, here's what I love about you. And I mm-hmm. tell like a funny anecdote and like, just be yourself. So that's what exactly. I did. I've, and actually, a- I've actually sent those emails like that a couple times, like I'll be honest, and didn't get a response. So <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking those people think I'm crazy. And that's okay because I, I guess we just weren't meant to be friends. <laughs> I love crazy though. I love crazy. So I think some of those people secretly want to be crazy. And when they get close to crazy, they don't know what to do because right. you're just like, oh my God, I don't know what to do with that. Yes. <laughs> Too funny. So the thing, uh, 
the thing I loved about you and the reason I, I had to have you on my podcast so we could have this discussion and I can, I can sort of interview you on about this is you had, um, you have a weight loss story. So you actually lost weight and your message is, is very important and poignant. So why don't you tell our listeners your weight loss story and, and when and how you had this sort of self-love epiphany? Okay. So I was 26 and I had become overweight. I still can't quite figure out exactly how, except for like the ridiculous amount of Ben and Jerry's I was eating. Um, so I was almost, I think, playing this role of trying to be the perfect mom. So I kind of was like frumpy. I don't know what happened, but I cut my hair short. I frosted it. And I was like, I'm going to be a legit mom. I think being a young mom, I felt like this kind of gave me this legitimacy. And so then I, I took my kids to Disney World. I saw pictures and I was like, who is this fat woman that went on vacation with my family? Because I didn't feel like I matched the picture. It just, it, it was like this weird disconnect in my head. Like I knew the size that I was wearing was higher, but it was just this weird disconnect. And I felt like I lost a sense of who I was. So my thinking was you can never be too thin or too rich, which we've all heard that before. Mm -hmm. So I lost 50 pounds in, in six months. And how and did you, how did you do that? I did that by kicking my own ass and it was very, very much a struggle, which I would not recommend that route. I, um, I, I went from like eating a lot of sugar to like no carbs altogether. So I was very crabby and just like really worked out hardcore. And, um, then it wound up being 60 pounds total and it kind of, um, it, you know, it was so fun in the beginning. Everyone's like, you look so fantastic. And you, and it feels good because you know, you worked so hard at it. It's not like someone just flipped the switch. So you own it and you're like, this is great. And then after a while that goes away. Like, and now this is who you are. And I realized that I was more miserable than I was before. And it literally, all that weight kind of was, I realized was my armor that was protecting me from like some other things that I didn't like about myself. And I realized, I was like, oh, my God, I, I really hate myself. I don't know, like, how I didn't realize this, but I then wound up drinking a lot because I, I just, I don't think I knew how to be comfortable in my own skin. Mm -hmm. So then I drank a lot because it was like, okay, I can't deal with the fact that I really don't love myself. And um, that's something that is very common that I've seen a lot of women do that because they lose a lot of weight. But it's like you're trying to feed this hole within yourself this kind of like broken feeling, like I was kind of felt broken and you need to fill it with something. And now where I'm at now, I fill it with myself, but back then I didn't really know how to do that. So that was my epiphany to realize that being thin was not the answer. And I also figured out then that being thin wasn't the answer. And then uh, the money wasn't going to be the answer. And just like I tell people all the time, like you think having the perfect partner is going to be the perfect answer. None of that is nothing, nothing, nothing outside of you is going to be the answer. And that's my big, big, big message. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I don't know if you want to pause, but then I, I recently in the past few years, I now have five kids and this was after my fourth child, I wound up being like 15 more pounds than I am now and decided that I wanted to lose weight. So if you want to take a break and, and discuss what I did before, but I want to, I want to talk about the healthy weight loss too. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, we'll definitely get to that. And I, I love your story because, and again, that's why I was so compelled to talk to you about this because I had a, a similar story, which is, is slightly different in the fact that, um, I, I can't say that I was, I was ever a, an overweight person that, that needed to lose 60 pounds, but I got to a point where when my life fell, when my life fell apart, like I wasn't the frumpy mom yet, but you know, I got, I got jumped by my husband and really felt like, you know, I didn't love myself and, and I didn't know that that wasn't, that was the answer. Like I, I was so, like you were saying, like I was so uncomfortable with who I was. I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with it. So I thought, okay, well, if my whole outsides are perfect, then that must be the answer to my happiness and fulfillment. And so I, I starved my way down to a, a very, very, very small size and, and, and me too, same thing. And I remember being kind of, um, kind of pissed that, 
my life wasn't falling together. Like, why do I still have an asshole boyfriend? Why am I still like on the outside? I was happy. And like, I could go out and have a good time. But at the end of the day, literally at the end of the day, when I was home in my apartment alone and feeling so uncomfortable and just the lack of joy and fulfillment in my life was overwhelming. And I do, I want to, I want to like ask you like, was there a point or like a day or a moment when you realized that that wasn't the answer? Or was it sort of like an all around thing that happened? Well, I think that it was, I'm not really sure even, I think it was like, you know, when you ask a question kind of to the universe, like, really, is this it? Like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that I'm here and I, and I really hate what's going on in my life. And then for some reason, I guess I was gravitating towards like, probably, I'm going to be honest, I think it was probably like something on the Oprah show because Oprah and me, you know, in my mind are secretly best friends. She's (laughs) she's secretly been like my aunt slash teacher since I was like, you know, exactly, exactly. Since I was like 12. So she's taught me a lot of stuff. Um, So it was probably something about self-help related and, you know, seeing shows and being like, yes, I know that I know that there's more but just not knowing how to access that. And I read about the law of attraction because I think it was like the secret was coming out and like, you know, Mm -hmm. that made me start thinking about it. And like, like I would read that and I'm like, okay, my brain would, would think, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And so I'd read and read and read. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't get it. I know I don't get it. But what I, it kind of opened the door to me trying to look for like a more spiritual path because I was raised Catholic and I didn't know how to have spirituality without being religious. Mm-hmm. And I knew like, to me, having a connection with my spirituality is like really a connection to my soul is a connection to God. Like it's one and the same. And that's where like my message of self love comes from because it's like people have this idea that if you love yourself too much, that that's like narcissistic and right. egotistical and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that is a flawed idea that it's coming from your ego. But when you hear somebody that's like, yeah, I'm better than her. Like, look at her. That is an ego based thing. Mm -hmm. But when you come from self love, like you and I do, I can look at you and I'm like, Oh my God, she's so brilliant. She's so beautiful and appreciate that. But it doesn't take away from me. It has nothing to do with me. I, I am in charge of my own happiness. I fill up my own cup. And that way, like all my other relationships, are so much more balanced. I have so much more to give. Like it really came down to like realizing that I was responsible for, for my happiness. That was key. That mm-hmm. was like, okay, I have to, I have to be, my husband's not, my kids are not. And I had to change my whole idea of who I was because what I realized is that my idea of myself was based upon the way others thought of me. And part of that was my relationship with how I looked externally. Because when you're losing weight and people are like, oh, my God, you look fantastic. And then that goes away. Then you're kind of like, well, wait a minute. Do I still look as good? (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. Because then you kind of get used to that. And Uh it's like, you know, it's weird. So my sense of self was so determined by the way other people thought of me. And that was when I realized, like, I was um, really dependent on acceptance, approval, and validation from other people. I swear to God, we are the same person. <laughs> I and, yeah, and I wrote about that in my book too. It's about um, you know, do you do you esteem your? I forget what chapter it is, but it's basically like, do you esteem yourself through other people? And I realized I did that as well. And it was a it was a big epiphany. And I didn't know that until I was either to, I can't remember if I was either told that in therapy or I read it somewhere. And I, I'll tell you what, I was astounded when I found out that that was all up to me. And I'm like, why did not, any, why did no one tell me this? <laughs> why am I 30 and <laughs> hearing about this? I had a blessed childhood. My parents, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful. Like I was adored and, you know, and then got into adult relationships with men and, and was only sometimes adored. And so my own self-esteem and self-confidence was a roller coaster because I too validated myself through other people, through my weight, through my hair, you know, whatever I looked like on the outside through the scale. And, you know, you said something uh, really important too. And now I totally forget what it was because you said so many important things. <laughs> Such a good interviewer. Oh my gosh. That's the mommy brain. That's like, you know, my daughter will be like, 
I can't believe you can't remember that. And I'm like, I have five kids. And if I remember all of your names and all of your birthdays, I'm doing good. Yeah, no, now I remember what it is. So you were, you were talking about how you had, you had maybe seen the secret and watched Oprah and you had heard about these things, but, um, putting it into practice, I think is a whole nother thing. Cause I, a a couple of my one-on-one clients have said this and you know, the people that, that in my audience say this, like, well, I get it logically, like I get what you're saying, but I don't know what that looks like on a practical level. That's why I'm so passionate about giving people actual tools to use and to put into practice because y'all can listen to great podcasts and read self-help all day long, but if you're not putting it into practice, it's it's just all for naught. It just I don't I don't think that it's I don't think it's harmful, but it's kind of just like you're on a treadmill and you're not going anywhere. So totally. What are what are your you know, things that you do like foundational exercises or reflections or, you know, daily, um, routines that you do, um, maybe for someone just starting out on their okay. self-love journey. Well, first of all, uh, what I'd want to say is that it's, it's just about integrating these things. But if you were 300 pounds, you couldn't expect to go from 300 pounds to 120 pounds overnight. So when, when I say your positive thinking, self-love muscles, there's something that you have to practice every day, and it's like an energy. Once you practice it one day, it builds upon itself, it builds upon itself, it builds upon itself. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And a couple of things that I had to do was I had to, I think the number one first step it comes down to is that start to listen to what your thoughts are saying. And when you start listening to the background that's going on in your head and you start to see how negative it is, you need to realize that you are not your thoughts. And so those thoughts that are like, oh my God, like, okay, for instance, you might have a, a thing where you miss an appointment. And now you go into like, I am such a loser. I can't even believe I missed this appointment. I'm never going to do anything with my life. I can't believe this. And now look at the laundry over there. Like our brains, by the way of the law of attraction, whatever vibration you're on, you're going to attract more of that. So when you start those negative thoughts, you need to head them off right then and there or else they start like just keep going on and on. And you realize, why do I feel like shit? Okay, well, think about this because all morning you have been talking so mean to yourself Mm -hmm. in your thoughts. So that's the first and foremost is, Be aware of your thoughts, but don't judge them. Just be aware of them and realize that you are not the same as your thoughts. Like, let them pass on by. Don't be attached to them. Don't believe them. Question them. Just, like, loosen up your grip on your thoughts. Yeah. Because I know back then, if you would have said, like, I could say to, to your listeners right now, okay, I want you to get a journal out and write five good things about yourself. 
And I know when I first started this stuff, I couldn't. Now it's like I would list a hundred. And because to me, this is my big message for people, for women that are afraid to do this because what it's going to do in their life, if you know, that they're going to get too big of a head. You need to talk about yourself the way you want your kids to see themselves. Mm-hmm. I love if, that. And Tweet if you're that. Yeah. So if you're going to talk about yourself in a negative way, your kids are picking up this stuff. You can't tell them to feel good about themselves. And then they're, they're going to see an example of a mom who beats herself up when she's not perfect. Give me a break. Mm -hmm. So now what it is, is, is that to write down those five things about yourself, this is like, this is where you start practicing the things. And like when it comes to affirmations, I feel that people will, you know, find Louise Hay, and I love Louise Hay. She's, I've been reading her for so many years. But if you, if I say to them, okay, you know, you need to write down these five things, and they're like, I can't even think of one. And I say, you need to say, I am beautiful. I love myself. And they're like, I hate myself. What you need to do is, is when you see these types of things like, I am beautiful, and you can't say that in the mirror, you need to soften things where it's like, um, you know, I, I, Try to think of things where it's like, um, I'm doing the best that I can. That's an affirmation. That's a softer thing yeah. for people to I do. Rather... I call those neutral affirmations. Exactly. Exactly. Like those are the types of things. Be easier and lighten up about this whole thing. Because I know for one of the very transformational things that I've shared with a lot of people is that when you're sitting in, you know, a meditation and it doesn't have to be anything like out there, you just sit and close your eyes, put your hands on your belly. Because that's usually the area that, that women usually hate. And I would take a deep breath and three times I would say, I love you. And I would say it three times and, and really try to absorb that. And that literally can send some women into tears. Mm -hmm. It can make some women have to really take deep breaths. But that's when you realize, like, how powerful is that? Mm -hmm. Because you, you have never done that. That's where these things where you say, like, I love you in the mirror. I mean, these things... You know, you can go to years of therapy, but until you really confront yourself, like, and get in your own face, that's where the transformation happens, I feel mm -hmm. like. That's major. So a lot of my things had to do with, like, you know, hands-on, tangible things like that, like writing things down, like the affirmations, writing good things about myself, uh, you know, mirror work like that. Like, I love your, uh, you know, I'm beautiful because it's so unnatural for us, but yet when you do it, you know, over and over and over again, it becomes so much easier, so mm -hmm. much easier. So it's a practice. It's an everyday practice that you have to do just like exercise. Yeah, for sure. I, <clears throat> all the time. Yeah. I, I, I won't even work with someone one-on-one -on -one who can only work with me for like a month or something because I'm like, girl, you have been operating this way uh -huh. for a long time and it's going to take like action. It takes action. It takes practice. And I love a couple of things that you said, and these are all things that I teach my people too, but I, you know, the, the neutrality and the peacefulness of just tweaking your thoughts and self-talk, because I think that we're too smart for affirmations. I always say, I'm like, I'm not a big fan of affirmations. I think when you've been, you've been talking to yourself for a certain way for so long, it's like, you're suddenly going to speak a completely different language and, and, be, yeah. and, and you're, and you're going to understand that, like your mind is going to be okay with that. No. And I love scientific evidence too of this and studies show that the, you can practice and actually change the neurons and the pathways in your mind so that you'll that. start to think, eliminate negative thoughts and think either more neutral or better, more positive thoughts. And, you know, tweaking them into things like, I often encourage people to use humor too. And if you, well, I'm going to back up for a second too and say this. Some women, they don't even realize the thoughts that are going on in their mind because it becomes like breathing. Like they don't even realize the shit they're talking to themselves. And so the way I encourage women to, and this is hard, you guys, this is like the emotional part. Uh, big triggers are bathing suit, shopping. Um, when you go to a dressing room, like in a department store and go shopping, like you probably like haven't shaved your bikini line or your legs and your super pasty white. When you look in the mirror, what is the conversation that's happening in your mind? Or if you're with a friend, what is the conversation that's happening out loud? Or when you step out of the shower and see your naked body, when you're about to have sex with your partner and maybe the lights are on and, and you know, and you're getting into a position where you don't feel comfortable with, what is the conversation? Like stop and really think about it and take inventory of it. And that those are the thoughts that 
you know, it might be kind of weird if you're having sex with your partner and you're like writing stuff down. <laughs> you're like, can we like, pause oh, honey, for a second? I, need- I have to do this yeah. exercise that Jenny and Andrea were talking about. I know. Just let me just do my affirmations here. Right. I am a hot, sexy bitch. I'm a hot, sexy bitch. Yes. <laughs> but see, but that's the thing about affirmations is for me, like I, I would read them and some of them I'm like, yeah, it's not my vibe. I, I seriously think the best affirmations are the ones that you write in your journal where you're like, I'm a freaking rock star. Like I am a rock star. And to me, that is my language. So that feels good. But for the big piece with the body though, that I want to say is I want to, I want to say two things that I decided, um, after I had my fourth child, I wanted to get back in shape. And with the eating disorder background that I had from when I was a teenager and bulimic, I know that I can get on that roller coaster and that roller coaster Mm -hmm. can actually take me, you know, out there. So after I had him, I realized that, um, I wanted to, you know, lose the weight and I, I started really feeling negative about it. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to do this the other way. I'm not going to get my body in shape and then work on the loving myself. I'm going to do it the other way this time. So I really worked on believing that I was beautiful, loving myself all the way and embracing my body the way it was, which is like maybe 15 to 20 pounds more than it is now. Mm -hmm. And I really owned this. And I was like, I am beautiful. And, And people don't get this, but I am telling you that people treat me differently than they did two years ago. People think that I'm more beautiful than I was two years ago. And I see it in pictures. And part of that is I don't compare myself to any other women. I see beauty in every other woman. And so when I got out of the comparison, I don't compare myself to a lady on a magazine. What the hell does that have to do with me, considering it's airbrushed? And that's not my body. It's like this is the body that I was given, and I totally decided to think of my body as a gift, a blessing, and a miracle. And I was like, I don't want to wait until I'm – older and I have cancer to really appreciate how awesome my body is now. And I started really thinking about like, yeah, my body's so good to me, no matter how mean I am. Like every morning it does like a gazillion things for me. And I really started to think about my self-talk and how on a cellular level that was going to be received. And I'm like, I'm really going to be toxic to my body if I continue this way. Mm-hmm. So to me, I really, I, I did all the positive self-talk. And then I was like, I'm going to lose weight in a healthy way now. And I'm just going to be like, okay, instead of saying, what can I have? And, you know, because that's the first thing people go to. Well, I can't have this. And and they get all mad, like on day one of their diet. And it's like, no, don't do that. Start thinking about the things that you can have. And and that is so much more empowering. Yeah. And then also, don't say I hate exercise. Because think about it on a cellular level. When you go to exercise, your body's probably thinking, why are you sending us to a torture chamber? You just said you hate exercise. So find something that you like. And if you don't like to run, then don't, don't freaking run. run. Yes. Because people see their neighbor runs 10 miles. What does that have to do with you? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Get out of their lane. Stay in your own lane. Yeah. And do what you like. And even if you dance around in your house for a half an hour, think about like really what you want. What you want from losing weight and doing all this stuff is you want to feel good about yourself. So the the trick is feel good about yourself right now. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to, to the losing of the weight, first of all, it's not even going to matter then because now you already feel good. Mm-hmm. So that's where I take the whole thing. Like, don't, don't use the word thin. Like, I want to be thinner. Because if you say, like, I want to be more fit, then you can use the affirmation, like, I'm fit. And every single day you win. Every time you exercise after that workout, you're like, I'm fit. Mm-hmm. Instead of that thin word, because I kind of feel like it's an evil word because we're never thin enough, that type of thing. So change, like, change your whole language. Like you were saying, you really do need to change your language with yourself. Yeah, it's it's so true. And I, you know, you know, you and I have similar backgrounds and, you know, I had pretty severe disordered eating in my 20s. And it's funny because while you were saying that, you made me think of, because I'm, I'm going to be 39 very soon in a few weeks here. And I've, <clears throat> I've, I'm in shape, like. And I say it like that, like I'm in shape. Like, <laughs> um, I have a fitness background and I've always worked out and I've, I've been kind of like lackluster about my workouts and I just, and nutrition, my nutrition kind of sucks. I'll just admit I, I eat too much sugar and I just don't feel a hundred percent. Like I know I could feel better and 
So I'm, I'm looking to hire an, a trainer online, and there's this one particular lady that I've been following forever on on Twitter, and and she and I have been corresponding, and she had these like five questions that she asks um, people that are interested in working with her, and I'm going to read to you my answer to one of one a couple of her questions because, and I'm reading it to you because of this because I am someone who was in a very dark place of disordered eating. Um, I would say about 11, 12 years ago and have come out of it so much to now to the point where I can like get on a wagon where I'm like ready to actually, for me, like when I was really in shape was when I felt so strong, it didn't matter what size I was, but Uh I could do unassisted pull-ups. Like I felt like a freaking badass, like a machine. Like that's what I want again. Cause she asked me, she's like, what do you want? And I'm like, I want to feel like a badass again. Like I want to feel like a machine. Yeah. And so, so, so one of her questions was, what is the one thing I love about, about, she said, what is the one thing you love about your body? And here's my answer. I'll read it to you. I love everything about it. Seriously. My body has been through hell. I've done it to myself and still bounced back. I've created and birthed two babies. I've had injuries that have healed. I've, I haven't nourished it the best and it does all it can to be amazing. I love, love, love my body. And then her last question was, what is the one thing that makes you strong? And my answer was resilience and self-love. I love that. Mm-hmm. See, that's why I love you. That is why I love you. Well, and I'm, because... I'm, I'm reading this to people because it's like, you can, and, and I practice this stuff all the time, you guys. Like, yes, I have bad days where I'm crying in the bathroom and I'm calling my best friend and, and feeling um, scared and unsafe and in fear. But those days don't consume me anymore. Like, I know I'll be okay on the other end. And the answer, the, the way I've gotten there is not because I'm, I'm the lucky one or was born that way. It's all learned behavior because I used to not be that girl. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like, everything that you just said, Jenny, about your self-talk, so important. And um, I, I'm sure you have something to say to that, too. But there's one more thing I want to talk about. So I'll open the floor for a second. Because <laughs> we can well, go all day long trying to talk I know. over each other. Well, you know what? Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say, though, like you said, I wrote this before. Don't believe your bad days because mm-hmm. that, that they're not who you truly are. But the other component I just wanted to say really quick is that when I did the positive weight loss is that don't make food good or bad because right. then when you make it good or bad, whatever you eat, you're making yourself that. You're and that's, good or bad. that's the dangerous thing where it's like if you have that cake, eat that cake and lick the damn plate. Eat Enjoy the it. <laughs> Do not. Yes, exactly. Do not feel guilty. You're supposed to have your cake and eat it too. But what we do is, is we numb out when we're eating that cake and then now we had one slice. Now we need to eat the whole cake. Now we need to eat all the chips in the cabinet and throw it away because we're going to go on a fast and we're only going to have broth for the rest of our life versus just saying, Ugh. I had that cake and I loved that cake and that cake was awesome. And vibrationally, I feel like it's different. So then the next meal that you have, you go back to square one. It's just, you go back to normal. You are, you are totally okay. It's just freaking cake. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's all I have to say. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, 
you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I love that too. And I call that, that exercise labeling too. It's, you know, we make things mean something. We make things mean good or bad. So if, or, or we make things mean like if, like if I think Jenny is pretty, then I think she's prettier than me. So I'm going to make that mean that I'm not pretty. And you know, and it's like, it's crazy what we do. Like we, <laughs> our, I know. our thoughts get away from us. So I, I call that like to stop labeling. Just what if you eating two pieces of pineapple upside down cake, which I have done recently, what if it just was that you ate two pieces of pineapple upside down cake? Like what if it actually didn't mean anything? One of my favorite questions from my former coach was what if it wasn't a big deal? Cause I, Andrea Owen can make things a big freaking deal. <laughs> Don't you know what? Oh, that's so freaking funny because my, my four year old, he is now taken to saying like, it's not the end of the world. And it cracks me up because <laughs> I'll say that. But when he says it to me, I'm just like, Oh my goodness. He says a lot of other bad things. I won't say, but that's one of the <laughs> that's one of the funny things that he says. It cracks me up. Yeah. It's so true though, because it isn't the end of the world. And we do make things the end of the world. The pineapple upside mm-hmm. down cake is not the end of the world. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the other thing is <clears throat> well, I know that spirituality is, is a big part of your life and you mentioned that you grew up Catholic and I also grew up um, I grew up Lutheran actually and you know went through all the the stuff, the classes and the confirmation and the, you know, all of that stuff. And I'm, I am glad that I had that foundation. And for, you know, personally, I went through a period where, you know, I, I turned about, I think probably like 15 and my mom gave me the option, you know, if we wanted to keep going to church or if I didn't want to, and I was 15. So I said, no, um, <laughs> I would rather, <laughs> the only reason at that point I was going to church was because of the youth group and because there was some cute boys there. And oh yeah, totally. I, I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> But I, one of my pivotal life-changing things that I have done to get to a place of self-love, to get to a place of confidence and uh, running past fear and things like that is a spiritual foundation. And it can look different for anyone. And I think that there, like you were saying, some people think that, well, if I don't go to church, then I can't be spiritual. If I don't believe in God, you know, the, the our culture's picture of God, then I can't be spiritual. So can you speak to that and tell us what your spiritual practice looks like? Okay. It's, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And it's like one of those things that we were taught never to talk to people about <laughs> religion mm-hmm. and politics, because see, to me, I can talk to any about anybody about religion because I, I actually think it's really beautiful that there's different faiths. And my mom never taught us that like being Catholic was any different than being Jewish in the way that like my aunt had married. Um, my uncle was Jewish and like, there was no, there was just an equalness and it was kind of like, God is just God. Like there's not, you don't have to worry about, to me, it's the semantics. It mm-hmm. really is. Everything that everyone wants to fight about, like you don't fight for God, you love for God. And so for me, I feel God when I go down to the beach and I just, and I literally just sit there in awe and I'm just like, wow, like this is God to me. And I feel like once I realize I was worthy of that love, it like floods me. It's just like the same, you know, when you explain to kids, what is, what is God? And when I look at my children and you're feeling that surge of love, that's God. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's, it's in nature and like music, if I'm rocking out on the radio, I can literally start thinking about like how much I love God, how much God loves me. And I'll be like in tears, just thinking about that. It's, it's something that's so hard to define that our culture has tried to define it, try to wrap it up in a little box. And I remember um, reading about spirituality from the Native Americans, and it was almost like I could understand it in a different way where they were like, it was so mysterious. You can't put your, like, you can't put a description to it. And that made so much more sense than trying to make it into, like, this person. Because Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, it's not a person. It's, you know, an energy. And so when I think of it as that, it's it's just like I'm connecting to that energy. So when I'm connecting to love, I'm connecting to God and it really is the foundation of everything that I'm about because I know how I feel when I'm at my best and that's when I'm connected with my soul. That's when I'm like, you know, 
when I'm exercising, when I'm loving people, when I'm, you know, doing all this good stuff. That's God. That's my God energy. So that's how I connect spiritually. I don't need to go to church. To me, it's like, you know, God's in everything. God's mm-hmm. in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And you can, you don't have to call it God. You can call it a higher power, source, you know, divine energy, Spirit whatever energy, you want to call uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it really doesn't matter. It's it's not like there's this God making sure you call him by the right name. Right. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said. And for me, when I knew that I had to have a spiritual connection again, well, let me tell this quick story. I don't know if I've told this story before on the podcast, but I this was when I, I had gone back to school to finish my bachelor's degree, and this was a couple of months had gone by into my, my first marriage where I suspected that it was falling apart. I wasn't really sure what was, what was happening, but I, I knew something, my gut was telling me something big was up. And again, I didn't know what it was. And so I was, I was on campus and it was a kind of a newer college, Cal State University, San Marcos. And there wasn't a lot of, it must've been an evening class because there wasn't a lot of people. And there was this big open area. It was next to a big giant building, big open cement area. And I'm walking along and there's an older man with his back to me. And he is standing there and he turns around and he looks at me and he's about to say something. And I thought to myself, he's probably just going to ask me, you know, where such and such building is or, or where such and such parking lot is. And I, and so I slowed down and he said, he said, who is Jesus Christ to you? And without missing a beat, <laughs> and this is the girl that had not been to church at that time in 15 years. Uh-huh. I could not remember the last time I prayed, but you know what came out of my mouth? I what? said, he's my Lord and Savior. And I literally was like, what? <laughs> who just said that? Because like, it wasn't me. And he smiled at me and he walked away. Oh my God, that's so I cool. I don't know who he was. And I just stood there and I got goosebumps just telling the story and I started crying and mm-hmm. I turned around and I cannot remember if I had gone to class or if I left. I don't remember the details, but I drove to my childhood church and I walked in there crying. They probably thought I was a crazy lady. And <laughs> I said, is Pastor Borgie here? And he was the pastor that I grew up with. And she said, yes, he is. And I walked into this pastor's office, you know, who had seen me grow up, who hadn't seen me in 15 years. And I'm sobbing and, you know, and he was actually pretty calm. I'm I'm surprised he wasn't like, do I need to call 911? And (laughs) and so I'm telling him, you know, I'm not sure what's going on. And I'm, you know, probably apologizing for for barging in on him. And uh, he said, the only, he said a lot of things when I, I probably talked to him for about 30 minutes, but here's the only thing I remember him saying. He said, all of us are born with holes in our hearts and it's up to us to figure out how to fill it with God and how to fill it with spirituality. We fill it, we try to fill it with money and people and, you know, all of these things that just don't work out. And that's all I remember him saying. And, and to me, it was, that was a moment of like a calling of saying like, you need, you're in pain, I know, and you can come back. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, a few months later, my life fell apart. And I really, that's when it was for me too. I, I was living in Southern California at the time and living in Encinitas and I would run the coast and there's a spot in Carlsbad. And if anybody is from Southern California, you know exactly what I'm talking about where there's these, there's these, it's a cliff basically. And it's right by the highway 101. And a lot of people fly like their, their remote control airplanes off of it and gliders. And, and I stood there and it was just, and this is super cheesy, but this song by Natasha Bedingfield <clears throat> had just come out and it was on my iPad, um, unwritten. And it was playing oh, on my iPad, funny. and I had one of the most profound spiritual experiences where I did not know what was going to happen with my marriage, but I knew that I would be okay in the end. And it, it was still really hard what I went through, but like I always had that knowledge that I would be okay. And I have a similar, I have a similar, sorry, my alarms are going off on my, I hope you guys can't hear that. But I had a spiritual experience there, and that really set the tone for for my foundation to self love. And I agree with you, like God is love and love is God. And that's how, you know, I was telling you, Jenny, before we even had this interview that, you know, I hear Stevie wonder, isn't she lovely? And, or you are the sunshine of my life and dancing with my kids in the kitchen. Like that is a huge spiritual experience. I know you just gave me the chills when you did that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And like sitting at dinner with my, my kids and like my husband telling us about his day and talking about like that to me is overwhelming. And even before we had this call, I, I'm reading an intake packet for a brand new client and she's telling me, you know, how she wants to change her life. And I had to stop and say a little prayer of gratitude. Like, thank you for this life. And then I get like, that is all a huge spiritual experience for me. So I know if there's an afterlife, I'm going to the good to the good part, you know, like, and it's okay and, that I didn't go to church. No. And you know what? Honestly, like every morning, if you wake up and you, and because you can go jump through all the hoops of going to church and everything, but it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a daily practice that I think means more than anything. But I wake up every morning and I say, thank you. Like, mm -hmm. thank you. And I love you. Like, that's really what it is. And I do think God does talk through, through the radio. He sure does to me, you know, mm -hmm. Um, where when you feel that it's like that God energy, it's like, that's how we're being reached. And I feel like there's certain songs where you're just like, oh, wow, that does it for me. That's totally. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, you know, I'll ask for signs all the time because it's good to know. It's good to feel that we're supported. I know some people will feel like if they find a feather, that's an angel. And, and like, that just makes you feel so good that you're so loved and supported. And I've done, done that affirmation where I put that out there where if you can say like, I am so loved and divinely supported like oh my god how good does that feel mm -hmm. like doesn't everyone want to feel like that and my yeah. song that comes on the radio is don't stop believing i knew and it. when and when that yes and when that comes on i literally like i'll be like crying and and it's like it is so cheesy but i own my cheese ball yeah. i totally own, own that yeah and it's like that sure. that's really you know it's awesome i love moments like that yeah it's it's just, you know, and it's one of those things, and that's what I wanted to to really get across to people now, that your spiritual practice doesn't, I mean, like two of my favorite prayers are in the morning, say help me, and at night, say thank you. Like that can be really it for you. It just opens up your vibration. It totally opens up your heart and your energy to make small changes. And I have one more question for you before we say goodbye. And um, I, several months ago, I did, I was doing some market research with my peeps. And I asked them what their biggest struggle was. And several of them wrote me back and said their biggest struggle is the ability to trust themselves. And I was so blown away by that. And of course, honored that, that people were sharing their struggles with me. So I want to ask you, like, how do you trust yourself? Well, that is a, that's an awesome question because I think that going back to you and I both saying that we got all of our validation from other people. When you have a dream, I remember seeing, uh, hearing Dr. Wayne Dyer say that when you first have a dream, like don't share it with too many people because people don't mean to limit you. But sometimes like if you, if you have a big dream for your business and you're around people that don't have a big business, they might be like, well, that's nice, but they don't think in the same wavelength as you because they might think in a more limiting place. Mm -hmm. And then so you tell them your dream and now it's like the wind, you know, went out of your sails. So this is where like you have to really be strong in your foundation with yourself. And it's like that fake it till you make it. Like all this going back to the practicing the muscle, like you have to keep believing in yourself, like keep trusting that. Like also think about like ask, ask for some div divine help, like, you know, help me, you know, on whatever I'm doing and realize that, you know, one time my kid, one of my kids was doing a project and it was about inventors. And I didn't realize that some of these inventors that had these great inventions failed like a gazillion times. So you, you have, the thing is, is, is that you can't be afraid to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And in business, you might have a couple of failed businesses before you have a, a great one. And the, and the thing is, is, is that you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to be embarrassed. That's the whole big thing. You don't want to be a failure. So it's like you got to take everybody else out of the equation and just really like firm up your foundation. Um, mm -hmm. That's the only way I can really, you know, to me, it's become like I've become my own best friend and I have to be my strongest cheerleader. And you have to just 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 fake it until you make it like believe that you trust yourself no matter what. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like to I think what's also foundational here is um, figuring out your fears and, and really what's, Oh, there's just so much like it's, it's really, I think that question could be easily answered with an example. So <clears throat> yeah, I think that, you know, for somebody, I, I like your business one and that for someone that, that 
you know, like why, I think that's a great question too to ask if, if you're struggling, if you're that person struggling, not trusting yourself. And I think a great question to ask yourself is why, why are you not trusting yourself? And that in that you might find the story that you're telling yourself that's holding you back. And what are your, you know, limiting beliefs? And, um, and that's a great place to start. So thank you so much for thank all of you your so wisdom and insight and sass. I know. I just love you. I could talk to you for hours. Likewise, for sure. So tell everyone where they can find you and what you have going on. Okay. Well, I'm trying to build an empire to, empire to take over the world, okay. but in a lovely in a <laughs> lovely way, of course. No, actually, I'm taking a, a business course right now, and I've been asking myself, like, you know, about, you know, the whole trust factor, and it's about making a mistake. I don't want to miss, make a mistake, but it's like I've made plenty of them. I, I can totally survive. You know, okay, it's fine. Yeah. And, and when you are starting a new venture, like a business, sometimes like even just getting the name down is so stressful because we're afraid to make a mistake, but it's like, yeah. you can always change it. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. So I would say that I play most right now on Facebook. So you can always follow me on Facebook at Jenny G Perry. Uh, my profile is open to follow and I'm on Twitter. I'm, I'm on Instagram. Everything is always going to make you think and lift up your vibe. So that's where for sure you guys should totally follow her. And she's Jenny's one of those super famous people that's reached her friend limit, but you can still follow her. This just a warning. This girl posts more than anyone I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you must have like voice dictation or you're a really good fast typer with all those kids. You know what? To me, the writing is like my, it's kind of like my therapy. Oh, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't have a therapist. So it's like, I just kind of let it come out through words. Good, good. Well, everyone, uh, you know, if you are want to actually have links, you can go to yourkickasslife forward slash 2323 to get all the show notes for this episode and the links to find Miss Jenny G. Perry. And it's been a pleasure. I bet I'm going to have, oh, that was my dog in the background. <laughs> I'm sure I will have you back on because we could, yes. could, we could go for another hour, no problem. Yes. And you know what we should do is a meditation. We should totally do that for like, you know, just five minutes, not, not too long. Okay. I'm like, you're all over that. Cause that's not my thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but like the belly one, we can do the belly one. That's a really I love good that. body image one. Yeah. I can do visualizations So meditations. I'm like, I, I overthink well, it, it. it. It is like a visualization. We'll call okay. it a visualization. Will that make you happy? No. That'll make me so happy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> all right, babe. Thanks last kickers Have for being here. Day, and I will babe. see y'all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.